pastor by the name of Ray Stedman, and some of you may have heard of him before. You can Google him and find out who he is. But he told a story, it's an old story, about some American officers who were stationed in Korea during the Korean War. This was in 1952, 1953 when they were there. And while they were there, they actually rented a house from, uh, you know, as officers, they had the ability to kind of live off of the post where they were stationed. And so they rented a home, and they could do so very inexpensively there at the time. And they were also able to hire a local boy to be their cook and their cleaner. You know, he was their, their house boy. But the thing is, these were young men, they were young officers, and they were pranksters and jokesters, and, and they soon started treating him as like their victim. They pulled all their tricks on him, okay? And in his naivete, you know, it didn't cross cultural barriers, and they pulled stuff on him, and it went over exactly as they expected. They did simple things that we would consider childish, really. They smeared Vaseline on the stove handles and on the little knobs so that when he went to turn on the stove in the morning, his fingers would get all greasy and nasty and he would have to clean the stove. They, they did the classic water bucket trick, you know, the water bucket on top of the door and he'd open the door and he would get doused. And one night they actually, while he was asleep, I don't know how they did it, he was a deep sleeper, but they slipped into his little room and they nailed his slippers to the floor. So that when he got up and put his slippers on and took off to walk, they didn't move. And I mean, he just like did a slow timber and his head hit the door facing and they, and they started feeling kind of bad at that point. And finally, they were really, they were so guilty about what they were doing because the kid never reacted. He didn't get angry. He didn't pout. He didn't get upset. He was just stoic. He, he just took it and he took it and he took it. And finally, it got to where it just wasn't funny anymore. And so they all gathered together with, their, with, with, I think his name was Tron, their, their house boy, and, and they said, look, we know that these pranks that we've been pulling, they're, they're just not funny anymore. They never were funny to start with him, right? But they're not funny anymore, and, and, and we've been taking advantage of you, and we just want you to know that we're not going to do it again. It's over. We're declaring it over. Well, the declaration seemed a little bit too good to the houseboy, and so he had a couple of questions. He said, no more sticky on stove? And they said, nope, no more sticky. And he said, no more water over door? Well, no. No more shoes nailed to floor? Well, no, never again. And he grinned and said, okay, okay then. No more poop and soup. Yeah, it's like that. Isn't it great when people come together in love, (laughs) right? When they come together in love. And that's what we're going to talk about today, this word forgiveness. You know, forgiveness is a precious thing, but it's still something of a rarity in the realm of our human interaction these days. Um, You know, we we kind of, we don't like to grant it, I don't think, like, like we should, but but let, here's here's the where you tell me part this interaction. But why, why do you think that just fundamentally in our human condition that we so often find it difficult to let things go and forget someone? Why do you think? Why do you think we're like that? Pride. pride. Oh yeah, pride. 
pride is like, you know, you can almost answer any church question with pride, right? I mean, it's, it so boils down to that fundamental part of our nature. What do you think? Yeah, well, that, so that's self-protection. Right, okay. Excellent insight. Yes, sir. Mac, what do you got? Uh, if we forgive them, then we put them on the same plane as a equal plane field. Right, with, with, with you and everybody else who hasn't done you wrong, right? Because that's what forgiveness does. Any other th- I mean, why else is it just, why don't we not just like to forgive? Because what is forgiveness, really? What is forgiveness, just fundamentally? What is it? Huh? It, love, yeah, that's the, that's the foundation. Well, what is for you know? What is forgiveness? Yeah, what does it do? Okay, you letting go, right? Because here we talked about this before. I know we have because it's all hauntingly familiar. But you know, forgiveness is never about really that other person because they kind of don't know whether you've forgiven them or not. You can function in the realm of being around them and function quite nicely. And all along, you're harboring that grudge and you're harboring that anger. And you might not ever let it show because we get really good at that, don't we? I mean, we can bury stuff and we can fake it and we can hug and we're sisters and brothers and we're all this stuff. And then deep in our hearts, we, we're mad and we're hating. And there's something there that we're just not letting go. So forgiveness is never really about the other person because push comes to shove. They kind of don't know if you've forgiven them. And a lot of times they don't care. They don't care. So forgiveness isn't really about them and the outcome of that relationship. It's about you and your heart. And it's about your own emotion, your own emotional well-being, your own spiritual well-being. You know, forgiveness that is held back, forgiveness that is not granted, it's, uh, it's damaging. Not just to the relationship, but, but, it, but it hurts you. You know, just think about it. When we... When we've done something wrong to somebody, when we've made that mistake, when we've, when we've, you know, you know how we do, we say those words in anger, we say that thing that like, we say that stuff that shouldn't have been said, right? Does that ever happen? Can I get a witness? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, or we do that action, that thing that hurts someone, you know, after a while when it seems like they're still holding on to it, our attitude is, man, why can't they just grow up and let it go? Just let it go. Just forgive me and let's be done with it. And we want, we want to get forgiveness quickly. We want to receive it. But when it comes to giving it, we're just, we, like to, we like to keep a record of wrongs, the truth be told. We like to keep score. Even though we, you know, it's one thing to forgive, it's another thing altogether to forget. I've always been amazed at the, in the power of God how our God, he does both. You know, he forgives and he forgets and he wipes these slates clean. In our humanity, do we have that potential? Do we even have that ability? We don't. We don't forget anything. I, I mean, I forget things. I forget really important stuff. <laughs> right? I mean, I forget really important things. But in our, in our mind, when someone has hurt us, we never forget that. We always keep it on file. We always keep it there just in case we need to pull that file and dust it off and wield that weapon relationally. We do that. That, that is our way. And so uh, human relationships are, are pretty complex. And one thing that we get really doing, really good at doing, 
is we like to build walls relationally. They're walls not to separate us so much, but we, we build walls to protect us from other people. Don't you guys do that? I mean, we do. I do that. I build these walls because, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So we establish barriers. We establish walls. We, we cordon off our lives from others. But I got an image I want you to see. I got something I want to show you. You may not have Has anyone ever seen one of these in real life and in action? What's it called? It's a wrecking ball. Yeah, it's a wrecking ball. And, and, and they're pretty amazing. You know, they, they pull it up and they have this great big, you know, the boom that it's hanging on. And they have that thing that pulls the wire back on it. And you hear it. Tick, 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 when and then when the foreman gives the go, they let it go. And when it hits, it causes damage. I mean, it, it tears stuff down. And they just keep swinging it and banging away, tearing down whatever structure they're wanting to take. It goes through brick, it goes through mortar, it goes through steel, it goes through wood, and it's this powerful pendulum that just swings mercilessly until it tears down everything that's in front of it, everything that it's designed to tear down. You know, it's a simple fact of construction, it's a fact of life and relationship that something new cannot be built until whatever is there that is old and broken has to be torn down. If it's not serviceable anymore, if it's broken, it's got to be eliminated so that something new can be built up. But in our lives, we have filled them up with so many walls. We build these fences, these, these barriers that divide us and compartmentalize our lives. And I'm not talking about walls of stone. I'm talking about personal walls that block us from one another. And so often they block us from God as well. You know, praise God, we have this great wall remover, don't we? We have somebody in our lives who has broken through the barrier of sin that once separated us from God. Amen? And if he can do that, if he can do that, then he can break any relational wall that you've established in your life. And, of course, I'm talking about our Savior, our Lord Jesus, the one who has redeemed us and brought us back into fellowship with God the Father. You know, Christ came down from heaven to be that great wall remover. He tore down that partition that separated man from God. Remember the symbol of that was what happened in that moment when the when the 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 curtain that hung in the temple between the Holy of Holies and the outer broom was ripped in two. God was no longer bound up inside of a room anymore. He was no longer separated from people, but he was amongst people. That barrier was broken and it was gone. And Jesus continues to this day to blast away at those walls that we keep establishing within the body of Christ especially, but between one another. You know, in New Testament times, much like today, there were all these barriers that separated people. And it's kind of funny, actually, that we think we have this social movement today that, that, that thinks that these barriers be- between people is something brand new, like it's never existed before. Is that even in the realm of reality? No, mankind has always separated himself. We look back upon the Word of God and the history of the time in which it was written, and we find a world that was broken and segmented, and it had all these barriers that broke up people. You had the Romans and you had the Greeks. And you had the Jewish culture that was full of them. There were societies that had placed people into certain classes and doggone it, they were expected to stay in those classes and not move. They were rich and they were poor. They were man and they were woman. They were in fact married woman and widow woman 
unmarried woman. That was a barrier. There was Jew and Gentile. There was Greek and barbarian. There was, there was pious and pagan. There was slave and free. There were all these walls amongst people. But the message of Jesus Christ is that they are all torn down. They are all removed. Just mankind seems to have a really hard time getting a grip on all that. And understanding the implications of that. Of Christ's obliteration of hate. And separation. I want you to consider what Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, verse 11. It kind of gives us a foundation for today. He said, In Christ, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Isn't that an amazing verse? Christians, hear me. Church, we have to be a part of God's solution and stop being part of the world's problem. We have to be practitioners and preachers of this amazing concept. It's a simple one, really, but it's so amazing, this concept of forgiveness. Forgiveness. The call to forgiveness is a call that God issues to us over and over and over again in the Word of God. Consider Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21. Then Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? I tell you not as many as seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Mark eleven twenty-five. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, that's pretty broad, isn't it? Forgive him so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you your wrongdoing. Ephesians 4.32 And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Colossians 1.13 Bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another just as the Lord has forgiven you so you are also to forgive. There's lots more. We could do this all day, right? But you get the picture. You hear? You hear what, hear what God is saying. Still so often within our anger in our, in our resentment, because we hold on to resentment, we resist this calling of God. We, we tend to push back against forgiveness. We ignore these commands simply because we want to cling to, hold on to our hurt. We want to hold on to our anger. We want to hold on even to our hate. We have that sometimes. We have hate. But God has called us to something different, church. He's called us to something more. And he's called us to something a whole lot better. And so, in our honesty, we have to admit that there are times when we ask this question. I think I got it on your paper. Why must I forgive? We ask, why, why, why do I, why do I, you know, we, we've told our kids that before, to forgive something. Why do I have to? Y'all have heard that, parents, you've heard that a million times. Why? Why do I have to do that? Why must, why must I forgive? Well, hopefully when we're done today, God's going to have answered that question for you loudly and clearly, so we're going to pray, and then we're going to ask God to convince us, all right? Can we do that? Let's pray together. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we're going to tackle one of the most difficult tasks that exists in the life of the believer today. We're going to focus upon uh, 
forgiveness and restoration in relationships. And we acknowledge, we confess right here and right now that granting forgiveness a lot of times is not easy for us. And, and when it comes to hurt and insult, we tend to have very long memories, Lord. So we need your help. We plead for your assistance. I grant unto us the maturity and the strength and the wisdom to let our hurts and and let all the insults go, reveal to us the value that is found in forgiveness. God, give us forgiving hearts and then unleash those grace-filled hearts within our day-to-day relationships with the people around us. Teach us this day why we must forgive. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today and next Sunday, we're going we're gonna to kind of have an actual case study in forgiveness. Now, it's found in that little tiny book of the New Testament. It's, the, it's, it's a one-chapter letter, and it's really misunderstood sometimes, and a lot of times the church doesn't pay a lot of attention to it. We don't hear about it much, but it's called Philemon. It's the book of Philemon. Now, Philemon was actually a man's name. This was the person that the letter was intended for. And he was a, a friend of Paul. He was a member of the church in the Greek city of Colossae. And Philemon owned a slave named Onesimus. Now, at some point, this is a backstory. You've got to understand the backstory for the letter. Onesimus ran away from home. He, he, he became a runaway slave. He ran away from his master And he left Colossae, he made his way all the way across the Roman Empire to the city of Rome to find Paul. He found Paul there. Paul was actually at that moment in time under house arrest. And and he visited with Paul in Rome and spent some time with him. And wouldn't you know it, as he stayed there in Rome with the Apostle Paul, Onesimus, the runaway slave, gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. The boy got saved under the ministry of Paul. Now, so what we have in this little one-page letter is a very personal correspondence from Paul to Philemon, although it's not really all that personal. It's, a, it's actually a masterpiece of grace and tact and forgiveness. And, and in this letter, we see Paul striving to restore a ruptured relationship Because Christ has now altered the parameters of that relationship. He's trying to reestablish rightness between actually, and it's kind of hard for us to imagine and think about, but between slave and slave owners. And so as as we study this historical letter, we can find within it for us some eternal principles on forgiveness and restoration that we've got to put to work in our own lives. I want you to think about it. Just think about this. If Paul can request and almost demand forgiveness and reconciliation between a runaway slave and his owner, then how much more can God teach us and expect us to practice forgiveness within our ordinary everyday life relationships? I want you to think in manner of scope and range here. So we're going to read the first seven verses of Philemon, and then we're going to, we're going to commence our study of forgiveness. All right, here we go, Philemon. And it's not Philemon chapter 1 because it ain't got but one chapter. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those odd things. It's Philemon 1 through 7. You're thinking, oh, we're reading seven chapters. No, it's seven verses. It's okay. 
So here's how it's always got a greeting because Paul has a greeting, but his greeting is so strategic. Listen to what he says. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God when I mention you in my prayers because I hear of your love for all the saints and the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your participation in the faith may become effective through knowing every good thing that is in us for the glory of Christ. For I have great joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you brother. That's where we're stopping. And some of you are thinking right now, Jeff, there ain't a word about forgiveness in anything we just read. Right? And it's true. So you're going to have to track with me. Actually, I have to track with me through next Sunday to go to the fruition. But, but, as we consider the greeting, there, there's, there's stuff here. You know, God doesn't create any accidents in His Word. Everything is with intent and purpose. This is God-inspired writing from the pen of Paul, okay? And in this, we're going to find some, some fundamental applications to make in this realm of interaction and forgiveness. And so we're going to work together these first few verses. We're going to look at the why part, okay? Why must you forgive? You ready? There's some things I want you to write down. And, and especially because he was writing to a group. What, were that, what was that little group of people that he named? What, did they, what were they part of? What did they comprise or what? A church, okay? This, he's writing to people in the body of Christ. And so especially within the church, with, within your relationships with other believers, within your relationships with people in this church, your fellow servants and followers of Jesus Christ, you've got to always remember a few things. Here's the first one. Write it down. You get, I remember, Christian, that you are not the only hurting, suffering, wounded person in this world. Can I get an amen on that? You know what I mean? You're not the only hurting person. And where do I find that? Well, look at this opening salvo. He says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. You know, I think we need to be reminded of this basic truth from time to time. We live in the age of self-centeredness, self-absorption, and self-focus. And we just get so wrapped up in our own world of relationships and hurts. And we get hurt sometimes and we think, man, there's no way anybody on earth is hurting as bad as me right now. There's no way that anybody's been done this wrong. I mean, I've been done wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm in pain. I'm hurting here. No, we, just, we hurt. We get so wallowing in our, in our deep well of, of anger and hurt and pain that we think, well, surely no one has ever been insulted such as I. Hurt such as I. But folks, this letter from Paul reminds us that pain and suffering and anger and hurt feelings are not unique to us. Newsflash, they are not unique to you. You are not alone in your suffering. Old Philemon, he had a slave that's run away from his house. And I can bet, you know, we can't relate to this today because this, praise God, this element of human interaction has been removed from our, at least our part of the world. Now, the travesty of slavery still exists in places. You know, I mean, it's still real. 
But praise God, it's not in our culture and in our environment anymore, so we can't really relate to it that well. But old Philemon, he's got a lot of money invested. And you understand, Philemon was in the, Greek, uh, in the Greco-Roman culture. He's probably Roman. Romans owned Greeks. So his slave, Onesimus, was probably a Greek slave. And he's got some money wrapped up in his slave. And so he, the, his slave ran away. He, he's lost money. He's probably angry. You can imagine Philemon being angry about the whole episode. No doubt he's been, he perceives himself, he's, he's been wrong, he's lost money, I've lost my helper, I've lost, you know, my, my, my people, my neighbors are looking at me, <laughs> yeah, his slave ran off. You can imagine the social pressure that had come to bear, and so he was probably pretty upset. But Philemon's thinking, I've lost, I've been wrong, this is wrong, I've been wrong. But think about the other people. In our, the fundamental characters in our letter. Let's think about the writer of this letter. His name was Paul. Where was Paul at this time? Paul's in jail. Now, if you notice in our study, Paul, and we've done a study of Paul, where did Paul seem to spend a lot of time? In jail. Not because he was an embezzler, not because he was murdering people. He spent time in jail because he was following Jesus Christ. He was being obedient to the Word of God and to his Savior, and it, got, it landed him in prison. In fact, he's in jail right now, headed right up to that. He was in jail up to the moment of his execution when he was marched out of the jail and put to death. Now, Paul's got, you know, if somebody wanted to whine and fuss, you know, Paul's got a case to make. Amen? And then the subject of our letter is Onesimus. What was Onesimus? A slave. Well, he didn't even possess the most fundamental desire of the human heart, which is to be free. To, to have freedom. I mean, he was actually owned like another person. He was bought and sold and traded like livestock as a human being. You know, talk about being done wrong. Talk about being wrong. Talk about injustice, right? And so here's other people that have been wrong, that are hurt, that are hurting. So, so Paul is imprisoned by the Romans. Onesimus is imprisoned by slavery. This makes that whole monetary loss faced by Philemon kind of pale in comparison, in my, in my opinion. You know? Friends, I want you to hear my heart. I know. I know that you have problems. I know that people have done you wrong. I know that you're, you've got your own unique suffering in this life right now. I know, I know you may hurt. I know that you may be angry. I know that you probably don't want to let it go. But understand, Christian, you are not the first person who's ever been insulted. You're not the first person who's ever been treated badly. You're not the first person who has ever been hurt or betrayed. And you will not be the last. Because that's how people treat one another. That's the world that we live in. It is broken and dark and dying, and it needs Jesus Christ. So why should we, as followers of Jesus Christ, ever desire to cling to our anger and our bitterness? You know, for most of us, our little petty conflicts, and a lot of them are petty. Most con- have you ever noticed how most conflict is petty? Just petty stuff. And our hurt feelings, we allow them to dominate our lives And it's kind of silly in comparison to the actual suffering that is being endured, the oppression being endured by other believers out there in this world. We don't know what oppression is in America, folks, in church. We don't. We don't have a clue. But there are people out there who do. You're not alone in your hurt. 
Remember, remember, stop holding on to your anger. Please, Christian, just, just for your sake, let it go and forgive. Paul reminds us of another reason why we need to choose forgiveness. Number two, and it's simply this, we are family. We are family. Y'all know that's the first thing y'all thought when I said that. We're all on the same team. Amen? I mean, we're, we're, believe, we're all on the Jesus team. Look what he wrote, starting in the second half of verse 1. He said, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-worker. So that's the main recipient of the letter, right? But then, look, he starts naming people. To Aphia, our sister. Well, there's a lady of the church. She must have been important. To Archippus, our fellow soldier. Now, the us on the end, Archippus, tells me that he is a Roman. And if he says a fellow soldier, he might indeed be a Roman soldier who's in that church. We don't know. But then, and to the church that meets in your home, that's to Philemon had a church. His house was a place where a church met, okay? He was the host of a church. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So can you see God, uh, Paul, Paul's not so subtle reminder here. He recognizes Philemon as a co-worker in the kingdom of God. Philemon is a brother. Yes, Philemon is a Christian. But then there's something else that is a little bit more subtle, and you might not even see it unless you're looking for it. But by naming all these, he wrote a letter to Philemon, okay? This letter is about Philemon's problem. It's going to be, we're not, you're going to see next week, it's about the runaway slave, it's about what's happened to him, it's about a restoration. But it's to Philemon, but what did Paul do by naming all these other people in the letter? Yeah, yeah. This was, and to the church. You see how he said that? And to the church that meets in your home. This is for public consumption. And so this is a letter that's about Philemon and his slave Onesimus. And this letter is to everybody. So it's for, it, it's for the whole church. It's to be read out loud in front of everybody. Now, if he'd have just sent it to Philemon, you know, if he just sent a personal letter to Philemon and you get a personal letter from Paul, you have a couple of options. So what is one option that you have? Wad it up and throw it away. And nobody would have known but Paul. But no, no. He, I think it's just so, it's just so clever. He, he addressed it to, to, to Aphia and Ar- Archippus and the, you know, all these people in the church. He addressed it to the whole church that meets, by the way, at Philemon's house. I mean, it's a public letter. It seems pretty clear that Paul was involving these other people for a purpose. It was not a spoken purpose, but it was a very real purpose, a very necessary purpose. Paul knew that he could have just thrown that letter away, but and not done what to ignore it and not do what it says, and he could make up his own mind regarding his own business because we like that, right? We don't like people telling us how to do our business. But the way Paul wrote this letter... He couldn't allow him to blow off what he was writing because it was in full view of everyone. We have a word for this where things are dealt with in full view and with other, pe- with other people in the church involved. We have a fancy word for it today. What do we call this word? It starts with an A. Where we hold one another. Say, you know, accountability. This is the concept of accountability. It is easy. To hide our sin and our secret away in private, it's easy to harbor hate for our fellow man in private, but sin and relational problems do not hold up under the light of church accountability. 
And so I quite think that Paul expected Philemon to do what he was asking him to do because Paul was quite frankly calling him out in front of the entire church. He was airing all this out in public view for all to see. That's accountability. And, you know, to be honest, most of us need a lot more accountability in our lives offered by the wisdom and the care and the love of fellow believers. Now, ladies, tell me. Well, maybe gentlemen, too. I don't want to be sexist. But have any of you ever baked a cake from scratch? Let me see a show of hands. From scratch. I am. I knew Debbie Mallory baked a cake from scratch. I am so impressed. A cake from scratch. That's just amazing, you know, because uh, that's the way, in case you didn't know, youngsters, that's the way they all used to be done. But then they came out with these things called instant cake mixes. Think Duncan Hines and who's the other lady? Betty Crocker. See, everybody knows Betty. You've got Betty on speed dial. But when they came out with cake mix, instant cake mix, it was a flop. It just didn't work. It was a financial meltdown. It didn't work because the cake mixes, when they originally came out, they had really simple instructions. They were just add water. That's the way they originally designed. The formula was it included everything in it. And so the ladies at home, all they had to do was add whatever amount of water it was, mix it, and pop it in the oven, and you had a cake. And everybody immediately thought, that's just too easy. That's no way that works. That's too simple. This, something, this is a sham. You know, this is not right. And so they were, they were thinking, they thought this was going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread, literally. They thought this is going to take off because, you know, uh, people, you know, culture was changing. People didn't have time to do all the hand stuff anymore, like on the, you know, on the baking shows, you know, and stuff. They just didn't have time. For it. They thought this is surely going to be a hit, and it wasn't. And so they researched it, and they found out that the ladies thought that it was too easy. So they altered the formula. And then they started requiring with the instructions that you had to add an egg. And you know what happened to sales? They took off. They thought, this is pretty good. So they analyzed it again. And now most, I can't tell you because I can't eat them, you know, uh, 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 Betty Crocker cake mix is a trip to the ER for me, you know, with, with my disease. But they have them now where you add, they call for, don't, don't they call for like a tablespoon of oil? and some milk, maybe, no milk, because everybody's got dairy problems now, but they used to have, like, some milk, maybe, milk, and add an egg, you know, and some butter, and put some butter in there, or oil, and now you're adding stuff, and it's kind of getting to the point where you wonder, why did I bother with the mix? I guess I'm getting that for the chocolate part or something. I don't know. But then they really took off, because people had to start adding things. What are those things called? ingredients, okay, and ingredients, and there's a concept we need to understand that's going to transfer from the realm of cake mixes to the realm of the Spirit, and that's ingredients are important. Now, I want you to hold that in mind, and I'm going to give you another reason why you need to be forgiving one another. You ready? Number three is a real simple one, because you can. You can. Why should I, why must I forgive? Why should I forgive? Well, because you can. You can forgive. 
Christian, you need to understand you've got, you possess all of the ingredients necessary for a lifestyle of forgiveness and, and, and restoration. Paul kind of, he, he reminded Philemon and the other listeners of those things. Just glance real quickly, verses 4 and 5, and I'm going to look down at verse 7. He says, I always thank God when I mention you in my prayers because I hear of your love for the saints and the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus, for I have great joy and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. What is that? Did you hear? That's just bubbling with praise, isn't it? I mean, he's, he's, he's listing all these positive attributes that they have, you know, and, and this is Paul, he's writing, the, he's writing his intro, but, he, but, he, but he's listing stuff, and he's listing some, some ingredients. So look at your worship guide, you see, I have a check your ingredients section. You see that? We're going to do a checklist. I even have boxes for you. You see the boxes? Okay, so we're going to fill in the blank. And I don't know about your ingredients, but you've got to decide whether or not you can check your box. This is a, just guys pretend like it's a shopping list, okay? We like lists, by the way, ladies. We like a list. We like to be told what to get. I do, because we shop differently. We're like a heat-seeking missile. We want to lock in on target, obtain the target, pay for the target, and go home. That's what we like to do, okay? Now, so check your ingredients. Here's ingredient number one. Write it down. Number one is faith in Jesus Christ, right? He said, because I hear the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus. This is the starting point. Is Jesus your Lord or not? Because if he is, this should have a direct impact. It should have a direct impact on how you treat others. And so can you check that box? I don't know. You know. God knows. But can you check your box? Check your faith in Jesus Christ. Here's the second one, and it starts getting sketchy here. Love for fellow believers. Uh-oh. Yeah. Do you have that kind of love for your co-laborers in Christ? Because if you don't, here's the thing is, if you just don't love the people of the church, if you don't love fellow believers, you might need to go back and rethink box number one. This Bible's just saying. Okay? Another ingredient is a growing, thriving relationship with Christ. This is like, oh, Jeff, you're getting all in my business now. Now, the thing is, the fact that you're here today, that you're gathered with the body, that's a good indicator that you are striving toward growing in Christ, and that's great. And if that's the case, then working on forgiveness and how you treat other people, this is an important and it's an integral part of your discipleship. Discipleship, my friends, is not about learning facts. It's not about memorizing this verse and that verse, you know. It's not so much about what you know, it's about what you do with what you know. That is discipleship. God's not looking for us to be holy encyclopedias. He's looking for us to be active practitioners. Obedience of the, to the knowledge, not just the knowledge in and of itself. And the last one I want you to write down is... A lifestyle of encouragement. And, and I list this one last simply because it's the one real aspect of the daily life of believers. It, it just seems like this is where we tend to need the most work. Now, I want you to write down on your paper, but here's what I want you to do. I don't have a blank for you on this, but I'd like for you to take your thing and kind of turn it sideways and write down here, just write three words, be an encourager, and put an exclamation point after it. You hear me? Be 
an encourager. We need more encouragers in the church, my friends. Write it down, and then church, you need to do it. So how is your list of ingredients? And the really, the really big question is, well, you put all those ingredients into work and to be the person that Christ has created you to be. Or you try to hold on to that old you, you know, the old you without Jesus, before Jesus, the old you who would rather hold on to a grudge than give up forgiveness to a brother or sister in Christ. There's a very old story about two friends, and they were walking through a desert. And at one point during their journey, they had a a really harsh argument, and one of them slapped the other fellow in the face. And the one who got slapped in the face, I mean, it hurt. I mean, it hurt. His, his like, face, his cheek turned redder than it already was from the sunburn that they were getting walking in the desert. You know, I mean, he wrung his jaws. I mean, it was a vicious blow. And he knelt down in the sand and wrote with his finger in the sand, Today, my best friend slapped me in the face. He just wrote it out in this elegant writing. Well, the other guy went, you know, and they just, he kept walking. And he walked on after his friend. And they walked and walked and they found this oasis and they, did, they were in there drinking water and they decided to take a bath and the, and the fellow who actually got, you know, like slapped in the face, the one who got struck, well, he got a little bit too far into that muck and mire in the oasis and he got caught in it and it started to pull him under like, like quick, quick mud. I don't know if that's a thing or not, you know, but I mean, it was pulling him down. He was about to drown, but his friend, the one who had just socked it to him a couple of hours before, rescued him, pulled him out of that muck and mire and saved his life. And after his drowning, almost drowning, he, he actually scratched into a stone with another stone. He wrote, today my best friend saved my life. He carved it in stone. And the friend who had slapped him and then consequently saved him was confused. And, and he said, man, after I hurt you, you, you wrote that down in the sand, but then I pulled you out of that mud and you wrote it on stone. Why the difference? And his friend replied, when someone hurts us, we should write it down in the sand where the winds of forgiveness can erase it away. But when someone does something good for us, we must engrave it in stone where nothing can ever erase it from our memory. See, Christian, there's one really more, one more really, really important reason why you should always, always, always make the choice to forgive. And it's the most fundamental, most simple one of all, and yet it's the one we forgive the e- forget the easiest. Is number four, it's because Jesus forgave you. Why should I forgive? Why, why, why do I have to forgive? Well, doggone it, Jesus forgave you, didn't he? Look what Paul said. He said, verse 6, I pray that your participation in the faith may become effective through knowing every good thing that is in us for the glory of Christ. If you're a Christian, you are forgiven because Jesus forgives. Now, believer, now Christian, it is your turn. If you are truly going to imitate Christ Jesus in all things, which we are called to do, then you must let go of your grudges. You must let go of your anger. You must let go of your hurt and hate and bitterness. And for your own sake, choose to forgive. Let's pray.
My Lord and my God, I am so very grateful that because of the blood of Jesus Christ, I have been forgiven. I have been set free from my burden of sin. Truly, I know that sweet relief and and the release and the joy that comes from being a recipient of that holy forgiveness. I pray that you would lead me, O Lord, to be a man who would always choose to grant such grace and joy to the people in my life. Allow that grace within me to touch every believer in this building today because they share the same Savior and His name is Jesus. Lord, compel us to choose grace, to release our anger and our burdens, and to always, always forgive. Remind us, Lord, that every time we're done wrong, we're not the first person to ever be wounded. We will not be the last. When conflict breaks out within the body, remind us that we are truly family. In every sense of the word, we are family. We are co-laborers in this kingdom of God, and we need to act like it. And we know that we can forgive, Lord. You've given us all the necessary ingredients through Jesus Christ. And that we know because we are forgiven that our Lord Jesus is that perfect example to follow. Make us, your children, to be like your Son, Jesus Christ. May we never, ever, 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 ever maintain that record of wrongs. May we stop keeping score. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. That decision card, this is a discipling message, what we do. I know you might have questions about how you can have a personal walk with Christ. Write me a note on there. Um, Any other questions about anything to do with life in this body or how God has confronted you in this message today or if you need me to pray for you about something in particular in this realm, write it down and the guys will give those to me. Okay, that's how you can respond to this message today. But before we go, you see, I've got a few things left for you. Your forgiveness checkup. We've done, talked about ingredients. Now let's do a little checkup. This is for you to take home. This, this, is your, this is your assignment for the day, okay? This is how you can take what we've learned. Well, because you know, I know you're th- you know, I still I, I agree with you. Those first few verses of Philemon, there's not a lot there about the whole forgiveness thing. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. You're going to get to get down into the nitty-gritty details of what's going on between Onesimus and Philemon next week. Okay, this is our foundation. But here's your checkup. Here's what I want you to do over the next few days. Number one is think. Think. Is there anyone in your life that you are refusing to forgive? Only you know the answer to that question. Dig deep and think. Is there anybody I just won't let something go? I'm still harboring that whatever think all right is it there and then number two i want you to yes ma'am
That's pretty harsh. I have lived with that for a long time. Yeah. And is that true? Um, I, I keep looking down here and thinking you're probably going to answer my question. No. Uh, <laughs> forgiveness can be expressed. There's a difference between forgiving and opening up for investment. You know what I mean? There's, there's a forget, forgiveness is about you, okay? That's about you finding peace and right, right, right. But that doesn't, but that also, but that doesn't mean that you are at that point required to invite new and fresh hurt into your life necessarily. Would y'all agree with that? I mean, that's because there, there, there are insulators that you have to kind of keep there because you, you may know what the outcome is going to be or suspect. There are plenty who have probably tried and then wind up experience a similar outcome again, okay? So uh, it's great to forgive and to express forgiveness, but then, you know, relationally, then, then for- forgiveness and just, well, I don't even know what the word concept that I'm looking for there. Um, you know, you, you, can, you can forgive without, Opening everything up back wide open again. Yeah, you gotta let that go. Because is there anything that you can do about it at this point anyway? No. So this is about you just letting that. Yeah, to forgive and let it go. You forgiven. You forgiven. I mean, we all have stuff, right? We all have. We all have these things, don't we? Well, you're not a Christian. That's, that's just loaded stuff. That's a manipulative statement to start with because that's trying to elicit a particular behavior out of you. Um, we're, we're dealing with matters of the Spirit, you know, so dealing with them at the spiritual level, and then that's why we're talking about the applications now, you know. And that's kind of why I started with that one because I want you to think, you know, is there somebody? Is there somebody? And then think about, let's go ahead and write down number two. Consider what if God treated you the same way that you treat the unforgivables in your life. That's a scary thought, right? Now, there, if you're refusing to forgive, that's another, you know, that's another realm from having forgiven and then questioning whether or not to reestablish the intimacy that was once. It's hard to reestablish intimacy levels where hurt has been so great. Am, am I right? Well, that's just wisdom. Right, and there's a difference. Now, there might be those glorious moments where the stuff can be reestablished, you know, and you start out at a level, you know, at a wise level, you know, you know what I mean, where, where you kind of begin to let people back in within that realm. 
you know, maybe, but not, not always. Again, yeah, absolutely. You can't force it, right? You can't impose, like, what, the way you want things to be because that's not always the way things are going to be in real life. That's excellent. Excellent insights. You guys are, this is fantastic. Number three. Again, this is still dwelling with about, with, within you, okay? To remember, remember, as long as you refuse to forgive, there'll always be something that's not quite right in your life. Right? You just refuse. You refuse. There's always going to be a, a darkness there. There's always going to be a hole. There's always going to be an incompleteness, a hurt. And then finally, just to ask yourself, do you have what it takes to forgive? If you've got Jesus Christ within you, if you are a, a child of the King, you have everything within you that you need in order to forgive. The thing is, will you let self get out of the way enough in order to do what God has enabled you to do? Well, you know, there's, there's, I don't, working over, you know, right, you know, forgiveness, forgiveness, you know, is, well, forgiveness is a choice that you make, and then beyond that, the, well, I don't, yeah, I, I would have to know the, you know, I can't, can't, you know, you have to be careful about offering a, a carte blanche everything about every situation because there there might be some moments where you need to not be in a situation you know for various reasons this has nothing to do with the realm of forgiveness but it's got to do with the realm of of abuse or you know all these other things that are the complexities that we deal with in daily life but yeah i didn't know that this was going to touch quite the nerve but you know this is something we all struggle with right because um, I know I have I have people in, in I have people in in my life that you know I've got you know I have I deal with my own bitterness, you know, and my my own anger, and it's and it's and it hurts me. It doesn't hurt them because they're like oh, whatever, you know. Uh, but again, this is about you at the feet of God, making that decision to let things go and making things right from your end. There is nothing you can do about anything else that's coming back at you, ever. Right. There's nothing you can do. So you, you choose to forgive what they do. That's on them. Okay? Yeah, that should be outside of our realm anyway. You know, when we do that, that's a moment when we need to ask for our own forgiveness at that point. You know I mean? So. Thanks for your attention. Yeah, keep talking about it. Yeah. All of us as a church, this is something that... Uh, um, is kind of almost a sad time as it is, and we've uh, we talked to Jeff. We're going to miss Jeff and Kim. It's also uh, can be an exciting time as we open a new chapter here at Crossroads, and and uh, so all of you be uh, continue pray begin. And Je- Jeff said in his letter on our uh, on the bulletin, begin your prayers now. There is a man that God has uh, in store for us, and be and be praying for him now, even though you don't know who is know his name. Be praying for him and. And uh, John and I and the search team, as that comes together, that we'll be seeking out, and God will bring us together at, at that time. Uh, so anyway, we'll, uh, we won't be dismissed today. And as, as you go out again this week, just uh, go out encouraged and be praying that God will uh, 
God will give us direction, okay? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we uh, come to you this morning and uh, uh, we thank you uh, that as we get to come together and study your word and, and uh, Lord, that we go out with forgiving hearts and Lord, if there's something in us that would, uh, that is uh, uh, keeping us from, uh, we're failing to forgive, Lord, and keeping us from that relationship with you that we need, the closeness, Lord, we pray that you'll just give that to us and, and uh, show it to us if there's a place in that. Lord, as we go out, uh, help us to uh, go out and serve you this week and to seek out those who need to know you. And, uh, Lord, just, uh, again, give us direction here at Crossroads, and we thank you that for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.